Hey, good morning, Harbor Covenant. Thank you so much for joining us here online. It is so good to be with you guys. I don't know about you, but for me growing up and pretty much very early into my adulthood, I had about a 0% care for art. Um, I just never understood art. I never cared about art. I, I vividly remember being like a kid, having to go to arts and crafts and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is a waste of my time. I'm not good at this. I know this doesn't look good. And why are we all just like wasting our time on art? It just, it made absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever. And especially now when we have like the internet and these really incredible cameras, art just kind of always felt like the, the lesser option. I'm like, I could get a really cool real photo of a landscape or I can get like the knockoff version of somebody painting a landscape, which just does not look nearly as good. Um, and I was, I was convinced of this. I had no care in the world for art. Um, in case you were wondering where the story might be going, um, I was wrong. Um, I look back on past John and think, oh, okay, he was a fool. He had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but I remember being like a young adult, me and some friends had taken a trip to Europe and we're like hanging out. It was a great time. We found ourselves um, in Paris. Some people wanted to go to the Louvre and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, like we can go spend like 30 minutes in a museum. Sure, why not? Um, so fun fact, they spent way more than 30 minutes in this museum. And like this museum has just some of the most amazing art pieces from throughout like the world. Like it's not even just like in Europe, like the world is here in this museum. And I, I really tried, I promise you guys, I really tried when we first got there to be an adult um, and to act like an adult. Um, it did not take long though for me to just start making jokes to myself and laughing and thinking, this is just hilarious. I'm just gonna make fun of the art the whole time. And then I like come across this piece. And this piece is a painting by a French artist named Francis Danby who was capturing the moment of Jesus walking on the water and Peter coming out to him. And it, it genuinely, it stopped me in my tracks. Like I had to stop walking. I kept on looking at this photo. I was just really like caught by it. Um, I loved that the way the artist had like really captured this sense of fear, but also wonder and awe on the face of the disciples. Like it was just blowing it my mind. And then next thing I know, I'm like feeling something. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm having an like emotional response to a piece of art. I thought this was made up. I thought people just lied about having emotional responses and they don't. And so I'm here having this emotional response. And as the time goes on that I'm here, I spent more time looking at this painting than any other painting in my life. And it just, it clicked. At that moment, I kind of found myself understanding this art and this beauty that was in art. And the next rest of the time, I was like, look, I will happily give up my time. I will happily give up more money so that I can go into these museums, see these art pieces, understand the history behind it. And I, my whole perspective had changed on art in a single moment. But what I thought was interesting was up until then, I was like very apathetic towards art. I just didn't care. I did not care. And I, I think this idea of apathy is really, really important. Um, and it's a big tension that followers of Jesus face all the time. There is this reality that's for some of us, we just, 
like we feel so many things. Maybe you're an empath and you just you feel everything for everybody that you have to actively choose not to feel something. So there's like, hey, I, I have to be a little apathetic towards this because I can't handle any more emotions in my life. Um, maybe you're someone who has experienced a level of, of maybe of hurt, maybe some trauma, maybe some really negative experiences, and you're like, hey, I I have to like not think or feel these things as like a defense mechanism. Like I'm doing this to protect myself. Choosing to not care is better for me. And then I think for some of us, there's just a level of avoidance or ignorance. Like we just don't really care about some of the brokenness and pain and hardships that we see in our world around us. And so the question I want us to be pondering and asking ourselves is, what happens when God calls us, when God puts values in our lives for us to follow and we find ourselves being apathetic towards them? And we find ourselves not caring about them. And so we're going to be kind of diving into that question this morning. If you've been joining us for this series, or maybe this is your first time tuning in in a while, we've been going through this series called Hello, My Name Is. And it's been looking at the story of Jesus, but we've been asking ourselves, okay, we hear, we hear a lot of things that people say about Jesus, but what does Jesus actually say? What does Jesus actually communicating about himself. And so we've been looking at the words of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about a pretty um, famous and integral story to Jesus's life and ministry. But let me give a little bit of context first. Uh, We'll be picking up in Matthew chapter 26. But before we get there, uh, Jesus has already had his final meal with his disciples. Uh, Jesus has already washed the feet of his disciples. He's washed the feet of Judas. He's told his disciples that somebody's going to betray him. He acknowledges that Judas is going to be that betrayer. He gives his final dialogues to the disciples. He prays for them and for unity. He tells them about his death and they are like fully like they're present with him. And Jesus is now fully focused on this, his death and his burial and his resurrection. He is aware that the sin and the brokenness of the world is about to become his entire weight to carry. He is alone going to be the one that is going to save the people of earth. That is what he is thinking about. And so we pick up in Matthew 26, verse 36, says this, And then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little bit further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Right, so Jesus, he leaves the meal, he takes his disciples, they go to a garden, they go to the garden of Gethsemane, and there he says, hey, everybody stay here, I'm going to go and pray, but he takes with him Peter, James, and John. James and John are the sons of Zebedee, Um, that's just another name that they're kind of given throughout the Gospels, and Peter, James, and John are really Jesus' like core three, like they're they're best buds, like they are best friends, Um, and Peter, James, and John have this unique perspective where they got to see and experience anything and everything that somebody could experience from Jesus. They saw different miracles or extra miracles that the other disciples didn't see. They saw the transfiguration where Jesus comes in his glory. And they're here now at the garden seeing Jesus weep about his upcoming death and resurrection. 
And what I love about this part is, is this way that Jesus responds really reveals and shows us his humanity. Like a lot of times when we talk about Jesus, I think we focus in on just the great, powerful, amazing things that he did, which is true. Like Jesus came in and he's like, hey, I'm going to feed the hungry. I'm going to feed thousands of people. I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to perform miracles. I'm going to fight for the weak and for the lowly. I'm going to bring justice to the people of Israel. I'm going to call out this religious hypocrisy. And he does all this with like complete and full confidence. And when we think about Jesus, I think that's the picture we usually have. And yet here, Jesus' words show his humanity. He's saying, I am, I am sorrowful. My, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus is feeling anxious, afraid, scared, overwhelmed as he realizes and notices the brokenness in the world that he is about to have to bear. And I think what I see here is that Jesus in this moment is making time and making the space to feel these things. He's creating an opportunity for him to feel the pain and and to show that he cares about everything that's going to happen. And I think the tension for us is apathy is a result of choosing comfort. I think when we take a moment, we're like, man, I could feel that, but it's going to make me uncomfortable. I feel anxious when I think about these things. I don't like to think about that because I get stressed. Um, We choose then to be like, I'm going to choose just to have comfortable thoughts and comfortable feelings. I'm going to choose to acknowledge the comfortable things around me so that these uncomfortable areas don't stress me out. And it creates apathy. It creates in us this unwillingness or this distance from the brokenness of the world around us. If we want to fight apathy, if we want to be people who genuinely care around others and the world around us, the first step is making sure that we're not choosing comfort. But Jesus moves on. In verse 40, he says this, And then he, being Jesus, returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And I think this is like a really clear picture that the disciples give us of what apathy looks like. Right? Jesus comes to them and they're sleeping. And he said, Hey, wake up. Like avoid temptation. Keep watch and to pray. And I think what Jesus is acknowledging is that the temptation to sleep is kind of the same temptation to be apathetic, right? They had an opportunity to be with Jesus in this moment and they did it. They chose comfort and they chose rest and they chose sleep. And Jesus is asking them, hey, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So so keep watch and pray. And I think we have a tendency to do the same. Because maybe there is like an area for you in your life that, that really brings out some deep emotions where you're like, man, I feel deeply about the people who are suffering in this way. But then we kind of tell ourselves like, oh, but Jesus got it. Hey, Jesus, Jesus is the all-powerful one. He's going to handle it. I, I, I don't have to handle this. It's not on my shoulders. I don't need to be a part of that. And to an extent, that is true. Like, we are not called to bear the weight of the world, the sins of the world. We are not the world's savior. That was never the designation, the the result 
of the church forming. That wasn't what Jesus called us to do. But we see here that Jesus is calling us to keep watch and to pray to not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And so when we tell ourselves, hey, I don't have to care about this. Jesus got it. He's going to come back. I don't don't have a role to play. We create a temptation for apathy. I think apathy is also a result of believing that we don't have a role to play. When we can convince ourselves that I can sit back, I can relax, I can sleep, I can just rest in my Christian community and not have to care, not have to pray, I I don't have to be a part of the pain and the suffering that that Jesus is going to fix, we tell ourselves that we don't have a role to play. And I think Jesus is calling the disciples to keep watch and pray because they do. Not because the weight of the salvation of the world falls on them, but because their role is to keep watch and to pray with Him. And so maybe there's somebody or something for you where you've seen the brokenness and in the past you've chosen just not to engage because it's hard or it's uncomfortable. It makes you stressed and anxious to do so. And maybe now this is the moment where Jesus is calling you to keep watch and to pray. But the passage ends in this with verse 44. It says this, So he left them and went away once more, and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Here's what's fascinating about this part of the story is that when Jesus comes back, the disciples are asleep again, and they don't really have a redeeming moment in this story. Um, Some of them aren't going to have a redeeming moment again until after Jesus' resurrection. Like, we know that Peter is about to betray Jesus three times and not be there at the cross. We know John will be at the cross with Jesus, but James we don't really know about. We don't know what he does during this time, but we know that some of them do not have a moment to come back to have a recovering moment with Jesus before his resurrection. And I think this is the tension that the, the church really cannot afford to live in. Being a church that just sleeps and doesn't keep watch and doesn't pray and doesn't acknowledge all of the things that Jesus is calling us to care about. This is a picture of apathy. of People who just didn't care. One author puts it really well. He says this, He says, the Gethsemane episode juxtaposes two storylines, Jesus preparing for death and the betrayers arriving to seize him. Matthew thus continues to portray the clash of two empires. One is still determined by violence and the other determined to receive that same violence. Israel's true king does not inflict violence, but embraces it and transforms it. And then he says, will the church, like the disciples, also flee this reality or wake up and go with Jesus to the cross. And so that's my question for you. Is there an area in your life that maybe you've been sleeping in, maybe you've been a little bit apathetic in, and this is the time where Jesus is calling you to keep watch and to pray. Maybe you you hear about what we're doing with Tables of Grace in Bremerton, and you just have a heart for a lot of these college students who are sleeping in their cars, and you're like, hey, usually when I think about that, I just feel sad and I feel stressed and I'm anxious. So I just try not to think about it too much. But maybe this is where you're called to step in and pray. Maybe you look at a lot of our younger generations, our Gen Zs and Gen Alpha, 
and you see how hard their lives are and how different it are being in high school with social media and technology and all the pressures of the world that are around them. And usually like, oh, it just, it stresses me out to think about this. I don't, I don't want to engage. And maybe this is what God is calling you to keep watch and to pray. Or maybe it's as simple as, hey, you have a friend in high school or you have a friend at your coworker at your job. And normally you would want to like invite them to church, but for some reason they seem a little adverse to it and it just kind of stresses you out to initiate the conversation. And so you just don't. You don't say anything because it's comfortable not to. And maybe this is what Jesus is calling you to keep watch and to pray. Jesus was fully invested. He, he knew all of the brokenness, all of the pain, all of the suffering that he was about to bear and to carry. And he said, I'm in. And he went through with it. And so the question for us is, hey, can we do the same? Can we care about the pain and the brokenness that we see in the world around us? And can we come with Jesus, not as the saviors, it's not our job, but as those who are committed to caring, to keeping watch, and to praying? And so if this has been you, if you've experienced apathy before in your walk with Jesus, here are a couple of things I want to encourage you to do. Uh, the first is uh, ask yourself, what is tugging at your heart? Like if you took a deep dive into your own self, are there areas of brokenness within the world that you just keep being drawn back to? And, and even though you're, they stress you out, you try to get away, and it was like every three to six months, that same thing just keeps coming up. Hey, you're like, man, I just can't, I can't help but keep thinking about like the people suffering from homelessness in our area. I can't help but thinking about the high suicide rates. I can't help but thinking about those like men and women who are suffering from sex trafficking. Is there an area in your life that you just keep returning to that you can say, hey, I think I'm supposed to keep watching to pray. The second thing I would encourage us in is to offer prayer and mean it. Um, I think it's really interesting. Prayer has become kind of this blanket statement that the church loves to use. Um, when pain happens. For a lot of us, we mean it, but some of the times when we say, hey, I'm so sorry, let me, I'm going to pray for you and that, anything I could be praying for, we say that with really great intentions and then we don't actually pray for that. And I know I've done this and I know I've come back with groups of people and we'll kind of laugh about it and be like, oh yeah, man, I totally forgot to pray. Like, I'm glad things are going well. And in reality, I'm like, man, I don't know if that should be like a laughing matter. But what if we said, hey, I believe that prayer is powerful. Like it is one of the most intimate things that our faith allows us to do. We get to commune and be in the presence of the triune God who created the heavens and the earth. Like this is no small matter. So if there's something that God is calling us to pray for, if there's something we feel led to pray about, let's offer prayer and mean it. Let's not just say that as our go-to statement. How are we making time within our day, within our life, to pray for the things that God has put on our heart. The last thing uh, I would encourage us in, and this is probably um, the biggest challenge, but I'm gonna go for it anyway, is what if you started a team? And by that, I mean, there are, um, there's a lot of power with one person praying. There's an incredible amount of power when a group of people come together and pray. And we have a lot of really powerful ministries happening here at Harbor Covenant. And what if like you and your small group came to a ministry leader like you came to Angela and said, hey, we just want to, we want to keep watching, pray for the small group leaders as they're discipling our congregation. 
is our being a part of that process. You go to Blake and say, hey, we really care about what's happening with Tables of Grace. Unfortunately, we can't be there, but we, wanna, we feel called to pray. Every time you meet, can we be your prayer team? Like, what if you started a group that was dedicated to praying for an area of ministry within our church? I know for me, um, if I knew that there was a small group or two or three uh, who was praying for our students every Wednesday and Thursday night when we met, I don't, I don't think I could ever leave a night feeling discouraged, feeling frustrated, because I would know, oh man, there are people who are praying and prayer is powerful. So what about you? Is there a group that you could start for prayer? Because I think, I think our world is at a turning point right now. I think that there are people who have really tried to care for a long time and they didn't see the change or the results that they were looking for. And so they became hurt, they became jaded, they became a little bit distanced um, from wanting to continue to have that hope. But man, if we were a community that created a culture and an atmosphere where, hey, we really cared about things and we prayed for them and we kept watch and we stood with Jesus in those moments, even in the face of like the darkness and the brokenness and the pain of our world. And we stood strong and said, no, we're going to keep watch. We're going to pray because this is what we feel like God has called us to do. Man, how hopeful would that be for the people who have been hurt by the church and don't want to be a part of it? For the people who are showing up to Gig Harbor because they just moved here for the first time and they know no one and they just see a group dedicated to praying for people who are wrestling with loneliness. They, if the people who show up for the first time just looking for community and just saw communities after communities praying together, they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. I think there's a lot, a lot of hope that, be gen- that will be generated from us keeping watch and praying. But I think in the midst of that, there's a few things we can't do. One, we cannot um, underestimate the, the, the danger of apathy. Apathy can kill a church, a community, a faith, hope so fast. If we lose our feelings, our ability to care for the people around us, it's really hard to remain hopeful. And I think we cannot overestimate the power of prayer. Like when we get talk and we be in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we pray to Him, we pray to the Father, and we pray with the Spirit, there is power that we access that is undeniable, that is unquantifiable, that is just outside of anything that we could comprehend. And so as we head out into the rest of this week, here are three questions I want to ask you. Number one, has apathy started to grow within yourself? Like, are there areas that you're just like, I just, I don't really care. Like, I haven't cared for a while. What are they? Number two, are there areas of your life or our world that you feel like God is calling you to keep watch and to pray? And the third question, is there a ministry that your small group can become a prayer team for? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.